Oh yeah. Oh. Oh, well, you know, I got excited when I saw that water, the, the water shaker thing or the water bottle. That gets you excited? Just, well, you know, it's kind of like, oh, what's in there? It's like a mystery. Like what's in oh, that yeah. liquid tasty beverage? But I know you're good. You're you're actually very clean and all that. So we can talk about it. But OK, you were late on the prep. So I do need to ask you one thing. Sure. Did you deserve to get pulled over, pulled over, young man? I don't think so. I don't think I deserve to be pulled over because I think if like if you get pulled over, there's a um, at least in my mind, right? Like you're never going to be on a highway in a in a 65 and get pulled over if you're going 75. You have to be like 15 over. No, I wasn't 15 <laughs> over. No, I really you know, there's, no, I wasn't. There's a uh, my dad when I was younger. My dad said, "Hey, it's like a 10 percent, 10 15 percent rule. Like don't go 10 or 15 percent over the speed limit." And I'm sitting there going, 40, 44? No, like." No, 45 is like what you should be going. But yeah, no, I have nothing but utmost respect. I know everyone's got a job to do, but but yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like if there's no one on the road and you're going a little bit above, you're not harming anything. You're not. No, it's like a no. victimless crime kind of thing situation. But I get it. Maybe it's a yeah. rookie that needs to like, you know, get it's, some. It's a, exactly what it was. What was funny is, you know, totally does the U-turn right in the middle of the road. You know, so I know that he's coming. And I'm like, man, really? I really didn't think I was going that fast. But when they do the U-turn, you know they're coming after you. Yeah. So I was no. kind of oh. so I was, I was kind of prepped for it, but in my mind, I'm like, ah, geez, I really think I was going that fast. And then 200 yards ahead, then I see, okay, what's well, 30? Really? He's pulling me over for this. And that's sure enough, that's what it was. But again, <sighs> 10, 10 15, I'm coming from a meeting. Yeah, there's a perfect time to pull somebody over, right? Like. You should be at work, yeah. son. Like, what are you doing on the road? Shouldn't even be driving <laughs> here. Like I said, 10, 15% rule because yeah. I've known too many people that like do that, like maybe 10 miles above, but it's if it's 30 going 40, I can see where people get upset, you know, obviously in a residential or something like that. But anyway, we digress, but I think it actually kind of fits with our theme today. So my friend, I've been trying to get you like for all of 2021. Are you ready for the mic is listening? Um, I'm, I hope so. You never know. Looks like you're really ready until that moment comes. But I mean, I've been preparing. All right. So, let's, yeah. Let's do this. The mic is listening. 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 The mic good morning good afternoon and good evening welcome to the mic is listening i'm sorry i missed out on last week i'm not gonna lie to you i actually had client work so it was unavailable and i figured i'll just let it ride so i myself am one of those podcasters that if we're live streaming sometimes if you don't have time to pre-record I felt flubbed and I missed out on my own consistency and discipline, but that's okay. I'm apologizing profusely and hopefully today's episode will make up for it. So on that note though, that's the funny thing about something I was talking about last week that I wanted to talk about was perfection and imperfection. I know doing live streams or putting yourself out there, creating digital content, doing podcasts, all that stuff, everything that I extol, the virtues and the tools and the medium that I love so much. I know there are personality types that do not understand 
that it's okay. I don't know if it's understand. I think you do understand it. I think it's that comfort level of saying, wow, do I look like an idiot in front of like a group of people I don't know or people I do know and care about? Do I want to look like I don't know what I'm doing or I don't look polished or I don't look professional? If I may gently interject and it's this, we're all human and we all have our foibles in life and our quirks and whatnot. And not all of us are Oscar-winning performers. So not every performance is going to go off without a hitch. So if I can gently encourage you for this thought of the week, and it's my new saying now, is there's perfection and imperfection. My advice is for you to embrace it. For those that are trying to create their own personal brand or trying to create their business brand, even your business can have a little bit of imperfection. I've mentioned this before. Even have personality. It's okay to be your authentic self from a brand perspective because what else do we have as prospective clients or existing clients to connect with you? But that emotional um, tug to say, hey, I know that individual or I know that company. I know what their vibe is all about. So my challenge for everyone Think about perfection and imperfection as you're creating your content, and it's okay if you're not perfect. I'm not going to judge you. Quite frankly, I'm too much in my own head to think about my own problems, to worry about your little millisecond twitch that you probably shouldn't have done. So that isn't on that. So thinking about that, though, some folks feel like when they do have a slip up somewhere, that how do you get back up again? How do you fall and get back up again? And so it's taken me over a year to get this uh, guest on. We'll tease him a little bit here. Dr. Rob Bell. Rob, I am so excited to have you. So welcome to The Mic is Listening. See, I always think you're polished because I'm like comparing myself to you and I'm like way unpolished. So, I mean, I look at you, you are polished. I think it's great. Oh, you're so funny. Do you not understand how many times I do this live stream where, I mean, I don't have my mic on. <laughs> I forget to switch the screens. The transitions are like out of control. But again, this is because this is a personal vanity project of mine. I want to learn the medium. And I don't know about you, but like I kind of enjoy falling on my face and getting back up again. So is that a personality trait or something that you can really help teach that's a good one i think a little bit of both right i think a little bit of both and what you just said i think it's kind of like puke and rally right that's what we got to do but i think that personality trait is want wanting the shot right a lot of people just don't want the shot they don't want the ball in their hands and it's a whole lot safer to pass the ball and let somebody else take the shot because if they take the shot and miss hey it's not on me sort of thing so i think um, I, I always live by this, like some battles are worth fighting, even if you lose. So are you willing to go down that path, whatever that path is going to be, the entrepreneurship, the leadership, that, that new role, that client with the possibility of failure, because the more possibility of failure, the more possibility, um, or the greater the success is going to be, because you can't be safe and have a whole lot of success at the same time. That part just doesn't work. So that's the part I think I love about you is you're willing to put yourself out there. Then yeah, you're going to take the criticism. You're going to take the hits, but you're also going to get the the wins from it as well. And I think that's a great point that you make is that those hits, they do come hard. <laughs> I think, mm -hmm. I think in some capacity, we're afraid of that, what we perceive or what that hit might look like or what would it feel like. So is there something where, 
I'm just thinking about this is, I mean, how often are we accurate when we view that hit, what it would be? Or do you, would you say percentage wise, how accurate do you think our perception of what that downfall is no, going to be? We're, we're way off, way off. Cause we, we catastrophize everything, right? So um, we lose that client. Well, then what happens is, is our mind goes to the bottom of the ocean in terms of, okay, well, that means that I'm not good at what I do. And then I'm going to lose another client. And then, you know, um, I'm going to get divorced and then people aren't going to like me. I'm going to be living by myself in a van down by the river. Like that's, <laughs> that's where we go with it. Right. So we catastrophize everything and, and maybe, maybe it's just me, but so the thing is, is we have to go through that failure because only by going through that failure and the experience of that, do we realize that, well, yeah, you know what? Nobody else cares that I messed up because you know, everyone's kind of stuck in their own world, in their own head. And I just built this up a whole lot more. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it stings. And there's always a little bit of truth in that. That's true. But the fear of it is what takes us further than we want to go. I always say this one, the fear takes us further than we want to go and it keeps us longer than we want to stay. So even though there's a little bit of truth in it, it's going to, we just use like losing that client. Yeah, it's going to sting. It's going to hurt, but it's not going to be as bad as you think. And, oh, be, yeah. and because of just going through that, then you realize, well, you're stronger for it um, now having gone through it. And, and again, they're right. There's two types of coaches, those that have been fired and those that are going to be fired. Look, I've been fired before. It sucks. It's not any fun, but you just have to be able to look back and say, did I do everything that I was trying to do and I was supposed to do and how well did I execute on it? And then a lot of it, man, is just going to be on, you know, the other person. And you've got to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, man, I did everything I could. And when you do that, you can move on a whole lot easier. Uh, okay. So you, you, you just said so much there that just made me want to like, I want to cry a little bit because it's like, damn it, Janet, I have done every single thing that you've just said and then not self-reflected enough. Okay. So yeah, we've all been fired. Right. So how do you mm -hmm. go about and, you know, recover from yourself, especially if your identity is kind of wrapped up into something like that. But then at the same time, I mean, gosh, I know I'm being, I'm sounding narcissistic and I forgot who I was talking to a while back. They're like, podcasters are narcissists, narcissists inherently because all they do is talk about themselves. But I'm trying to relate to this is this. I know too many of my former compatriots in the corporate tech sales world. That's my background. I've done it for 20 odd years that didn't leave because they were afraid of other options that might not be fully available. So could something like this tech sales is great money. Okay. There's no rocket science to it, but it's not the most pleasant job. Okay. It's, you don't have to be the smartest person, but it's high stress mm -hmm. and it's high reward in, in the context of money. Do you feel like that lure of easy, easy money is what keeps people from leaving and doing what they want to do? Oh yeah. No question. Right. I mean, I mean money, it's, it's close to oxygen in terms of importance. Yeah, I mean, because that's going to be the main thing, right? It's like, well, what, what is really keeping you from it? And what's keeping you from it is the the comfort and what's providing the comfort. Yeah, that the finances, man, that that stability piece. When we realize that it's all that our, our joy and peace and satisfaction of doing what we do, it only gets to the point of when kind of I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired that I'm willing to take that leap. And then, then you know, then the mind kind of shifts and we get ourselves ready for that stuff. But I think if the pain's not great enough, then we're not going to make any change no matter what it is. 
Okay, that's the, that's a perfect point. And I think that I really want to emphasize this. By the time I left corporate, I was breaking down to hives, like yeah. physical hives for every weekly forecast call that we had because I knew the numbers weren't going to be there where they needed to be. And I had to literally go back to my you know management and say, not going to happen. And that's a very tough thing as a salesperson to, to say, right? Because really at that point now, it's your integrity of trying to deliver. And mm -hmm. for someone that has a high integrity, high accountability, it's probably, I think, one of the hardest things to overcome. So let's talk about this because Puke and Rally, and for those that know me, I have only done that in college years, and I've not done that since because my liver would kill me if I ever tried that from a uh, <clears throat> party context. But as an athlete, I actually think of it more in the terms of athlete. I, was a, I ran track, and I would puke before races. Mm -hmm. because I don't, I don't know what the deal was, but I would, I would like talk to my coach and they'd say, okay, here's how you need to approach this race. And I'd go, okay, walk into the bushes, throw up, come back. And I'm sure maybe the reason why I won races was because they smelled the vomit on my, like, <laughs> you know, on my breath, <laughs> but, but you were um, ready, but I was ready. What is that? Yeah. How is that? And why is that philosophy applicable to sports? I mean, obviously I, I did a reference with, you know, Chumba Wamba, but, um, but why is that effective in like racing and competitive sports? Very and, nice. And that, yeah. That Cause I mean, they're and and again, right. People that are picking up the book for the first time. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there are pitchers that I've known that they had, they always threw up before they would go play, you know, and it was just a way think about how much better we feel after we throw up. Because what's the role of throwing up? No one wants to throw up. I don't want to throw up. I hate it. I had an aversion to it as a kid. But when we throw up, we feel better, at least for a little bit. Because what it does is it gets rid of like those toxins that are going to be inside. And that's just the physical part. So the people that are picking up the book for the first time, yeah, they're thinking of the, the college puking rally days. Or they're thinking about the time when, you know, coach had to make them run until somebody threw up. But it's But the bigger part that I see, it's like, What's the puke that happens in life? And the puke that happens in life is just what you said, right? It's like being told that you're not good enough, that that's a bad idea. Don't even try it. And it's a whole lot more painful when that puke moment is coming from somebody that's going to be somebody that you admire, somebody that's close to you, somebody that's supposed to believe in you. And boy, there's nothing more painful than that. And that is the huge puke moment. But what I have come to see in life is that anybody who has been really successful in life, they were all told at some point, that's a bad idea. Don't try it. You know, you're going to fail. Every single one of them was told that either through their circumstance or by somebody else. But the, the converse of that is true. When they were told that there was one person that believed in them that said, man, you don't need to listen to that coach. You don't need to listen to that boss or that seventh grade teacher that said, you're going to end up just like your brother. And that, and that one person that comes alongside him, that's all we need, right? We're one good friend away from, from having an entirely different life from, from happiness. And that's what, uh, that's the importance of the rally part is rally. When you think about it, doesn't happen by itself. Rally always involves other people, you know, a political rally, a rally in tennis, a rallying point for all of us to gather at. It always involves other people. And that's the point about like, Look, everyone is going to puke, but what does it take to rally? And it always takes our connection with others uh, for that to happen. Oh, I love that connection with others. It's so incredible. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, again, corporate person turned entrepreneur, 
And there's this mentality that I didn't realize you it's natural to fall into is I got to do this myself. As an entrepreneur, I can't show people that I've got vulnerability or I got to show that I've got some level of credibility. Otherwise, how else and why would they entrust themselves with me? What I've seen communities and I'll give a shout out to some crew here. That's like chatting away here. So uh, there is a service professionals network. So shout out Mike O'Connor, you crazy son of a gun. Um, I have just joined this group as of last week. No, know anything about them. And one thing I have seen though, is that they all are cheering each other on. They, many of them have joined the stream today to support me because awesome. that is something that they've built into the community. This is the mindset. If you're going to give, you're going to take back, etc. And it's a mutual relationship. It may not be immediate. Sometimes it's on the long term. So in the context of rally and getting your army, your tribe together, how do you go about and approach that? Is it, is it okay to ask or is it something where the rally, if you've got a good network, will already rally around you? So, I mean, I think there's a couple of strategic ways to do it. I think it, it's usually best when it happens organically. Um, this is how I know it. That I think it's easier to say how it doesn't happen and how it doesn't happen. Because when we think of like mental toughness, it is not, I have to do this on my own. That's the opposite of mental toughness. That's just straight stupidity. Because what you're saying is, is that, you're better than that. Like you're better than the support of other people. And we weren't meant to do this on our own. I really believe that we weren't meant to do life on our own. We're meant to connect with other people and allow other people to coach us. And then we can coach other people. And it's that, that whole um, joint struggle together that makes it, you know, so more satisfying. So it doesn't happen when we isolate ourselves. But the problem is, is and think about it, right? What has happened, especially in the last year and a half, is we were forced to isolate ourselves. We had to always connect through this. And it's sort of like a manufactured type of, you know, connection that's going to give us that boost of dopamine, that boost of connection. But then, well, we still have to be by ourselves. And that's the part that I always think that's dangerous the last year and a half is it's so easy to isolate. And mushroom, mushrooms are the only things that grow in the dark. And who likes those, right? Nobody. I Whenever, love mushrooms. I know, I know. I knew you were going to say it too. I knew you were going to say, well, I love mushrooms. There's always somebody that says it in the audience, but it's like. I, hey, who doesn't you know. love a fun guy? Come on, Dr. Rob. That's it. The jokes man. get worse. That's it's it. only Wednesday. No, but you're right. I mean, <clears throat> it, I think it does take a certain personality unique, right? to be able to thrive in darkness. It's not, I mean, some can, right. But, uh, but the majority cannot, that's why fungus, you know, is a fungus, right. It, it has a special requirements and not everyone is a fun guy. God. I Keep swear I am like on a roll today. Uh, <laughs> no. Okay. So, <clears throat> so you have a process that you talk about, like as you walk through this and, and puke and rally, and by the way, everyone should get this book. I love it. I actually refer back to it every now and then because, well, quite frankly, I need it. Like you need those reminders. It's not, I mean, I'm not trying to insult you, but it's not rocket science, but the way you articulate it is such, I don't know. It's one of those things like, dude, you got to just look at it from this angle. So mm -hmm. let me ask you this. So as a mental toughness coach, if you have a client that, you know, is somewhat weak minded, just kind of like, uh, it's too hard. I'm out of it. Like, okay. I think you and I talked about this before. 
if you were to make me run with you right now, I'd probably run about 800 feet and be like, dude, shin splint. I'm tired. I'm, uh, I want to walk. How do you manage someone that's just, you know, it's in them, but they're just not in that perfect mindset. Well, then we just, you know, I'd show back up the next day and be like, all right, well, we got to run, uh, you know, you're an 800 runner. It would come back to you, you know, all right, we're just going to run 800 today. So it's basically starting with wherever we've got to start. I think it, it, you know, again, this is what mental toughness is not. It's not all or nothing. And so often we just get in that mindset. Well, you know, what happens? Okay. Well, I have to work out six days a week and then I have to, you know, progress here with my running. And then if I'm not there, then, then I'm a loser. I'm nothing. That's just the wrong way to think about it. The right way to think about it. And we'll just use exercises the context, right. Is just to just start approaching it, right. Just show up every day, start doing something, start moving. You know, that's the way that we start. And then we get momentum that's going to happen in our lives. Like if we're pedaling the bike, we don't know, always need to keep pedaling point about the group, right? If we're in a group of cycling, we, we don't need to be doing all the work. Just the people at the front and the people at the back are the ones that are working hardest, safest right there in the middle. But my point is, it's like, um, you know, we don't think about mental toughness as, you know, I have it or I don't. Um, commitment, discipline, not a problem in my life. I'm, I'm willing to admit that, right? It is not a problem. Letting go of mistakes. Okay. Big problem. Well, which part is mental toughness? Well, it all is, you know, so it's not all or nothing. There's a lot of different facets to it. So I mentioned that because we just think it's, well, just commitment and staying with it. It's part of it, but that's not all it is with mental toughness. Like my son, boy, he can let go of mistakes like no one else. Like I have no idea how he, how he does it. It's a gift. And I tell him that all the time. <laughs> I wish I could be like you because five minutes later, you don't even remember that when I'm focused on it a day later. And so we all have, I think, these different strengths when it comes to that. And that's where whatever strength that we're, whatever strength that we have when it comes to our mental game, that's what we need to focus on. And that's where, look, we just need to keep doing these type of activities that really reinforce what that mental strength is going to be. Too often, we just want to focus on the weakness and then we get that to be. So now we we'll just suck less at, you know, what are the commitments going to be or like mistakes. We've got to focus on the strength. And then we're going to see, boy, how the, all these different areas align with, with our mental game. Oh, I love that. Focus on the strength. And again, it's discipline. God, man, it's like, it's like, again, it's, it's fundamentals, really what it boils down to, right? If you want something bad enough, you're going to work for it. And mm -hmm. you're going to have the discipline for it. You're going to have the desire to keep going back up and get back up again, uh, get on the bike again. Um, you know, for me, like there was a spell there where, you know, and I was like, you know what? I used to do my nails all the time and make them look pretty, but I want to play guitar. Well, you can't really have nails when you're playing the guitar. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. Just cut them all off. And so that's, I want my calluses, which is not the most beautiful looking thing. Right. But you have to have the discipline to keep going with it. And I get what you're saying, but it's so much harder said than done. Oh, when it's, when it's all said and done more said than done, you know, absolutely. No question. I didn't know you played guitar. I think that's awesome. I always wanted to play. Guitar. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let us not confuse having a guitar sitting in the corner right there and me strumming occasionally with playing the guitar. I know some I power even, chords. I can't even strum it. <laughs> you could do open strings and still be strummer or rhythm, rhythm guitars. But, um, you know what, uh, Co Cody, thanks for joining. Uh, 
makes a great comment is having grace for yourself, giving yourself grace. I, do we give ourselves enough? Do you think our society allows us to give ourselves grace? Well, that's the point of we need to create that network of people that are around us before we're going to need it. And too often we wait, right? Like a real popular saying this past year, like it's okay to not be okay. Well, it's not okay to stay not okay because now, now it's becoming a choice, right? Now you know that you need people in your life and we haven't been proactive with creating that network. We create that network that's going to point out our blind spots and then be able to kind of grant us grace. Um, we can't coach ourselves. I can't coach ourselves. I can't coach myself and I know it. I have to allow other people to coach me up. And that's the tough part. And that's the point. I think we got to create that network of people around us before we're going to need it. Okay. So I think that I love that you said that because like I said, if you find the right community that you are in and they rise you up or you rise each other up, it's, it's such an amazing amazing feeling. What if you're in a pursuit? Like I know that you've caddied for professional golfers and it's a solo endeavor at that moment in time. I'm not talking about mm -hmm. the community because obviously the community will be there to help you. But, but when it's time to that clutch moment where it's just you, it's you and that golf ball and that son of a sea cook wind that's blowing and whatever obstacles that are in the way, water or whatever, sand trap. Have you ever seen like that example? Like how do you approach it with that, that, that golfer and saying, what advice do you give, um, you know, supporting them? Yeah. So I'll get it a lot. Right. It's like, what, you know, what do you say to your golfers, you know, when you're caddying and it's 100%, it's always going to get back to preparation, always gets back to preparation. They have prepared for this moment and they're preparing for this moment all through, you know, when they've been practicing and we practice in our own lives, we practice way more than we actually perform. And so then it's just getting back to how do I approach my practice? Have I approached these six foot putts like it is the masters, like it is going to win the masters because then when that moment comes, our very first thoughts getting back to, but I've made this a thousand times. And then they're just relying, you know, on their level of preparation. So it's not, if there has to be a whole lot of coaching in those kind of moments, um, then we haven't done our job. And mm. then I look at it, so then you mentioned something, right? It's like, I'm not the one that's stepping up to hit the six foot putt. I, as a caddy, have to be in charge of my own mental game because my own mental game is just keeping him or her on the level, keeping him or her engaged and in the moment and to keep fighting and no matter what it's going to be, right? But being in, engaged in this moment. So a lot of times uh, when we get in those pressure moments, those are the fun moments because that's where we want to be. We want to be uncomfortable. Um, that's a lot of times the goal is get yourself uncomfortable. If you're uncomfortable, it means something good can happen. Yes. Can something bad happen? Yes. But now we're focused on the wrong thing. We got to be focused on like, this is a challenge. This is exciting. Not this is a threat. And now I'm nervous. Mm -hmm. You know, I love that because again, that's the whole idea of putting yourself out there. I think, especially in business right now, because we have to do so much of it uh, remotely that we have, don't have the opportunity to really physically be in front of each other. Right. And I think there's, a, I think you lose a little bit of humanity when you can't make that connection, but there are ways to pivot 
I, yeah, I use that word pivot. Dang it. I thought I would take that on my <laughs> vocabulary for 2022. Okay. We could redirect ourselves in a way of saying, Hey, here's what is the situation. How do I make, you know, you know, milkshake out of this ice cream that's melting in front of me. And yes, I prefer milkshake over milk, but anyway, so, um, so are you, a malt, are you a malt milkshake? Like, do you like malt? You know, what's weird. Not in a milkshake, but I love malt balls. Like the can. What's oh, yeah. that one? Uh, milk, uh, Whoppers. Um, Whoppers. Yeah. I will eat that all day long. Whoppers, yeah. I did. Yeah. Too. But I won't necessarily uh, drink it. And that's not my jam. Oh, okay. I love malt milkshakes. What is malt? Uh, well, I think it's, it's a, it's a, I think it's like a fermented something. Cause it goes in a malt liquor as well. Right. Which I don't, know about. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I drank that. I tell you what, I like, I drank that like in high school was when, um, boys in the hood came out and then that was the coolest thing, right? Have St. Odds. Oh my God. That thing was so disgusting. Like to drink malt liquor. <laughs> oh, it's awful. I, I, I don't that's know what he did, man. Means. Yeah. What boys in the hood. No. Yeah, no, I didn't. I, I, God, if I did watch it, it was like maybe briefly. And then, God, that was like 30 years ago. Yeah. Like, that's not a little bit. Hey, there's a question here that Cody asked. He's like, I'm confused. So you need a, he's like, so do you need a community to validate your feelings? That I, I don't think that's what we're saying at all. I think a community helps rise you above when you're feeling down to kind of keep you focused, but it doesn't validate a feeling. Oh, look at that. He also Good replied question. back with germinated cereal grain, which sounds even more gross. Cereal grain. Yeah. Germinated cereal grain. At any rate, I, again, I'm a city slicker, so I don't even know what that means. I'm going to have to Google that. Those three letters now. Those are three words. But so, okay. Dr. Rob Bell, it's been such a pleasure to have you. And I knew I'd be going long on this. So for those that want to get to know you, ever got your website here uh, scrolling at the bottom. How else Very can nice. people get a hold of you? You know, a puke and rally is now an audio book too, especially for the entrepreneurs. So that part's exciting. But uh, I'm on, I'm on. My ADD is always on uh, Instagram. It's on Twitter. Um, but my website, drrobbell.com, is I think always the easiest way. But um, look, you I think ADD? you're awesome. Yeah, oh, right. Thank you. you have ADD? No, you don't. Yeah. I think so. Probably undiagnosed. I mean, shiny object guy. Yeah, big ideas. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, I, um, no, but I, will, I did want to say this, like, I'm, I'm so thankful you, you were patient with me enough. Cause I think you're awesome. I love like networking with you and talking with you and you have great ideas. And I think that people that you're with, I mean, just come away with the energy and enthusiasm that that's needed. I think a lot of people starve for it. And so it's huge, man, what you do. That's very kind of you. Thank you. I have a hard time taking compliments, but I really appreciate it. I do mean it too. I know a lot of folks think, you know, extra extroverted personalities like me, there's a sense of like fakeness when they're like over exuberant about things. But honestly, I can focus when it needs to be for like 15 seconds. And I genuinely do want to help and support you in any way possibly can. So puke and rally, Dr. Rob Bell, it is your I mean, I, like I said, for anyone that just needs those moments, your chapters, they're, they're like self-contained in a way that you can focus on that and just think about it. It's not like one of those things where you have to read it all the way through and be like, okay, here's my next to do. You know what I mean? Right, so I right. really, really appreciate the way you, you organized it. 
And one thing I didn't mention, and I apologize, and I do want to promote because we talked about this, you have a lot of great existing content in podcast format, the 15 minutes of mental toughness. We need to mm -hmm. promote that because I do think 15 minutes is not that hard. I mean, honestly, you can go with potty and listen to it, right? <laughs> I mean, like, you know, it's 15 minutes, folks, so definitely check it out. Dr. Rob Bell, thank you so very much for joining the Mike is Listening. And on that note, folks, I am excited to talk about, uh, if you're interested, hit Dr. Rob up. But also next week, we're going to have Casey Hasten, another individual that I met through a networking group. And she's also a local Dallasite. And so be she's happy awesome. to, I mean, gosh, talk about networking and someone that genuinely cares. Casey yeah. is awesome. And she's in the right field as a recruiter. So we're going to be talking oh. about that. So uh, on that note, guys, I guess we're going to sign off for the mic is listening. See you next week. See ya. Bye.